Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our live shoe, take it, take it away. Welcome to the Gatekeeper's very first live fight night, um, featuring Jeff Dornick, uh, the classical liberal, and Sam Jones, the conservative. Um, we're going to be discussing some issues in relation to the difference between classical liberalism as well as conservatism, um, and we'll just wing it, see what goes from here. Sounds if you like a plan. Have any questions? Don't be afraid to ask, and if we get around to them, we will. <clears throat> so, gentlemen, um, see, Jeff, I'll start with you. I want to define some terms. Before we get into this, I think it's important to set up our foundation as to what we believe in and um, everything like that so that people know where we're coming from and what our point of view is. So, with that, um, 
I would just like you to describe what classical liberalism means to you. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, for me, classical liberalism is not liberalism in and of itself. I'd say it's kind of almost a blend between libertarianism and conservatism, but the, the key distinction, I think, is that, is that from a Christian perspective, is that we are allowed? We're we're keeping the government out of our daily lives, and we're allowing each individual person to make moral decisions for themselves and decide for themselves what is what they feel is biblical, what they feel is not biblical. As Christians, we're not going we're not going to vote to legislate morality. What we're going to do is we are going to allow each individual to decide what that morality is. Obviously, if you are overstepping the bounds of somebody else's either liberty or their freedom or something like that, that should be implemented by the government. But in the sense of if you're not hurting somebody else, essentially, um, essentially, it's all going to come down to freedom for freedom for everybody to kind of make up their own minds on what they believe is right and wrong and that sort of thing. So in a, in a quick nutshell. Okay. Sam, uh, I've heard conservatism is can mean many different things when I'm asked. Uh, some view it as more of a lens that you can view how, the world through. What is it you're exactly conserving? Um, what would you, you say is uh, conservative in America today? So uh, my personal view, I, I would describe it as conservatism that leans toward uh, theonomy. So Christian conservatism that leans toward uh, theonomy. Now, I try to stay away from that term theonomy because generally it's associated with an end-time view uh, of amillennialism, and I'm, I'm a premillennialist, so that's that doesn't really fit uh, right there. But just simply put, uh, theonomy uh, basically uh, believes that we should be ruled by uh, divine laws or, or that moral law in the Old Testament, uh, and that of course stays true through the New Testament because God doesn't change. Um, and that should be our our guiding um, factor when it comes to uh, to government, uh, civil government. I believe that God is the the one who designed government, and He designed it specifically with a purpose to uh, reward righteousness or protect the innocent, and of course also to punish the wicked. And I think that can only be done within the moral framework of. Um, of his morality. Uh, that is the only moral, objective morality that really does uh, does it justice there in in today's day and age. I also think that, uh, in, in any day and age, I also think that our, our founding fathers and our nation in America was specifically um, founded with this kind of conservatism, uh, specifically one of a, a theonomy. I, I think of immediately our uh, Declaration of Independence that it says, uh, when in the course of human events, it has become necessary for people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another that assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal stations to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. And then it continues on and it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I, I think that uh, our founders, what they're getting at with the Declaration and the, the original intent of our government was to be this conservative, specifically rooted in Christianity and Christian morality uh, because of the Creator and, of course, the laws of nature and nature's God. And I believe that uh, a conservative view is, is really the only adequate view to uh, uphold 
uphold the laws of nature and nature's God uh, consistently. Now, Jeff, uh, he kind of went into the background of what his foundation was for that. What would you say would be the foundation for uh, classic liberalism? Yeah, I mean, what would you? Yeah, I, I would. I would say from from my perspective, it's going to be kind of twofold. One end is going to be more of a, a philosophical issue. The other end is going to be a biblical issue because I think I think that what, looking at it from the biblical perspective, I think and again when I say biblical, I'm saying this is my how I'm seeing how Scripture is. I'm not saying that only my view is correct and Sam is automatically wrong, so I win the debate. Um, but I think I think that like when we look at passages like First Corinthians ten, where where Paul is writing. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all good things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Now, I, I understand that the context of this is dealing with, with you know, Christians, and it's not necessarily dealing with voting because, I mean, back then, they weren't voting. But the way I'm looking at that is that we do have a principle where we're, where, where we're saying that there is Christian liberty. There is the ability to decide for ourselves in the sense of when we look at Scripture, this is right, this is wrong. Um, and when you look at the application of that, there's a, there is a wide range of personal conviction issues um, that I think kind of comes into play here. And so for me, I begin to see it dangerous when we're looking at having the government legislating morality because A, we're dealing with relinquishing control over to and uh, uh, this really big overarching government mostly of non-christians um, but then now we're telling other people how they should be living their lives it seems to fly in the face to a certain degree of some of these passages that do talk about Christian liberty and that sort of thing where uh, within Christian liberty there are personal convictions and there are differences granted again there are limitations to that but that would kind of be one of the things that I feel like my perspective would be rooted in to a certain degree. So you would expect everybody to individually take care of the morality themselves. Uh, yeah, in, in in general, that that's that's what that's what I would say. Okay. Um, now, Sam, you spoke about theonomy. Um, in what ways do you feel that? Now, I know it's more of a conservative based, but in what ways do you feel that theonomy could fail? Why would it fail within uh, our world as we live in today or in our country? Right. So so I think the biggest thing with theonomy, and it wouldn't be a, an issue with the system of theonomy, but it'd be an issue with the people uh, upholding theonomy. And and that is if the people aren't moral, and uh, I think Sam Adams, or excuse me, uh, John Adams, my my favorite founding father uh, said something to the effect that our our constitution is is specifically for a moral people, and of course, as the the morality of the people wane as we go and we get away from that morality that's outlined in a theonomy, the the issue is, of course, is that it almost becomes impossible to uphold as the people and leaders, because it wouldn't matter if we're in a, a monarchy, an oligarchy, a democracy, uh, or a constitutional republic, although the constitutional republic does uphold that the longest. Uh, but the problem is, is e eventually if the morality of the leaders fall or those who have the power, um, you know, they're not going to be holding up that, that theonomy, the principles of those that are found uh, mostly in the Ten Commandments um, there that we should, we should abide by. Okay. So let's take some few topics and uh, break them down a little bit. Now, uh, I want to go into taxation, like uh, classic liberalism kind of 
tends to spend more of the taxation more within the school districts to help set up programs like social security and stuff like that where more of the conservative base ends up using these uh taxes for foreign aid or um things to that effect like military and stuff like that at what point uh jeff do you come down with taxes when should they be used when not should they be used how much should be used and uh how, how would you regulate that or how should that be regulated yeah under your perfect ideological or ideological system yeah well uh, well you know when we're, when we're looking at taxes taxes is one of those things where it seems like every, everybody hates unless unless you're not making any money and then you want to you know tax everybody else who's actually making money so that that usually ends up being everybody's perspective on it but i think for me here in the, here in the u.s i feel like we have our tax system backwards so we have where the majority of the taxes are coming in at the federal level, and then a smaller percentage is coming in at the state level, and the smallest percentage is at the city level. I would rather see that switched where if we are going to have higher taxes, it's going to be at the local level where it can actually be implemented correctly and that sort of thing. But I think that one, one of the things that I think that we can remember from coming from a classical liberal perspective would be it, there, that would be a great argument for not taxing at the rates that we are right now because it would be talking about personal responsibility and each person taking responsibility for themselves and not relying on the government. Get the government out of as much as we possibly can except for the few things that are delegated by the U.S. Constitution. Um, if, we can, if we can have it to where we limit how much the government is involved, then you and I have the freedom to make our own decisions on how we want to live our lives, how we want to spend our money, and, and that sort of thing, as opposed to you know, giving the government this power and control to implement our, our belief system or our, our perspectives or our morality and that sort of thing. So I think that having a classical liberal perspective would, would, dr would dramatically lower taxes, especially on the federal level. Uh, but just in general as well, because the, the key is personal responsibility and get the government out of as much as we possibly can. Now, Sam, before I ask you this, I would just want you to um, take a moment and I want you guys to react to what he said. Yeah, uh, well, I, I mean, taxation is theft, so I, I agree with that pretty much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, with with the classic conservatism uh, and in this or Christian conservatism and uh, looking at this with that lean towards theonomy, um, I, I think it's back uh, and I can't remember the, the certain percentage. I think it's twenty percent, but don't hold me to that. Uh, anything uh, above that, and, it, and for some reason that seems pretty high too. Um, back when Israel uh, put it, installed a king, King Saul, there, uh, anything above that would have been would have been theft. And of course. Uh, where I would say um, conservatism has a, a a little bit of a stronghold uh, on this, or or our perspective is, is that we could go and actually make an argument of saying that it is is morally wrong uh, to to tax at a certain percentage, uh, because that's actually stealing from an individual, and I, and I think classic liberalism would probably lean towards that too, um, but I, with taxes, we're we're probably going to be pretty similar here with Christian conservatism and classical uh, liberalism. The difference might be in the implementation as to what it can be spent on uh, and what it might not be able to be spent on. So, so that is my follow-up question then. What what would you deem worthy of being able to be taxable and what not to be taxable? Jeff clarified that people for the most part would be able to take care of themselves and implement as they see fit on a private scale. On what level would a conservative use taxes for and what would they use them for? 
Right. Well, uh, so, so one thing I would say, first of all, and I'm, and I'm sure Jeff would probably agree with this, is that uh, income tax is, is a pretty backward system there. Uh, it should be more on, on sales tax is, is where we should be be gaining our, our taxes on, on what people are buying and, and things like that. Uh, but, but one thing I think that uh, taxes are good for is uh, regulating a, a, an army and, and having a military uh, there. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with spending more money on that side of a thing. Um, you know, obviously not uh, environmental initiatives probably wouldn't be a, a good one. And I, w- with taxes, I think we're probably going to be pretty close to uh, to the same things from from what I can uh, think think through here right off the top of my head. But, um, uh, you know, obviously, I, I would say uh, healthcare would be one that, that it shouldn't be used for. Specifically, uh, the murder of babies uh, would be one uh, that it shouldn't be used for. Um, but... Yeah, t- taxes has been a huge over- overreach in our society here uh, today. Jeff, do you have a counter? Uh, no, I don't really have a counter. I, f- I feel I feel like Sam and I are pr- are pretty uh, much in agreement when it comes to like taxation. Um, I think that I think that you know, and again, I when I when I'm saying this, I'm not putting words in Sam's mouth. I'm just saying what the the traditional kind of conservative approach can be sometimes, where we use the government too much to implement our perspectives and our morals and our things within laws, which obviously virtually every single law comes in with finances and money and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's based on what Sam is saying here. I think I think he and I are in agreement. I think what I would disagree with it with a lot of conservative approaches a lot of times would be certain implementations of, of certain laws that would be pushing like our morality onto other people, which Usually, if you are passing a law that's requiring, you know, something, there has to be some sort of regulation or some sort of, you know, person overseeing that. So that's where, you know, from my perspective, it's like limit the government as much as we possibly can. That'll drastically lower taxes. And I totally agree with Sam. I would much rather be a sales tax, which would, uh, you know, only tax you on what you spend, promote saving. You're not being taxed on income and that sort of thing. To me, that seems the more fair way of dealing with taxes in general. Now, uh, so let's get into a little bit of the morality. So I know that you're both anti-abortion, but why? Uh, so I'll start with you, Jeff. Um, with the abortion issue, um, why would a classic liberal be against that? Um, well, I think I think that be it would be primarily because you would be taking away the life and liberty and the rights of another human being, uh, which would be the argumentation, um, obviously, against abortion. Now, you, you could take the, the secular perspective, which you know I don't necessarily hold to, but you could take the secular perspective and say the government shouldn't be involved in this. So at the very least, the government should not be funding organizations like Planned Parenthood and that sort of thing and get out of it altogether. Um, I would take it a step further, and this would be one of my few things where I'm typically going to be more on the conservative side instead of the more libertarian, classic liberal side, is that there is morality with protecting life, and that, and that is because that is a human life from conception, and, and so if you are going to take away that life, you are taking away that life's rights, which are supposed to be protected by the government, uh, the government's supposed to be there to protect our rights more than it is to regulate our morality and our belief systems and, and that sort of thing. So that would be my, my quick take on, on abortion. But again, more than likely, Sam and I probably agree on this as well. 
So the the common contention between that is, um, if that's the case, then you argue that you're taking away the right of the unborn child. But they would argue then, if you fight on along that side, then you're taking away the right of parent. Well, or, well, well, well. That that's what that's where I would say that um, you're not taking away the, the right of of the parent, and and here's why: is that you have the right to to do virtually anything from a classical liberal perspective, as long as you're not infringing on the rights of somebody else. So as soon as you infringe on the rights of somebody else, that is when uh, you would be breaking the law, and that and that's when it, you would need to be uh, legislated against. So in the case of abortion, the mother or the parents, whoever decides to get the to get the abortion, they are infringing on the rights of that human life by taking away that life. As a the the baby is not taking away the life of the mother. It's going to be difficult, you know, in lots and lots of circumstances, but it's not taking away the rights of the mother whereas aborting the baby would be literally taking away life, which is a right to the unborn baby. Okay. Uh, Sam, same question. Yeah, so I, actually, though, I, I, I think this is, this is going to be a really good start to uh, seeing the, the difference uh, of perspective here, uh, because though we, we agree on the, the same principle and the end result, we're, we're both 100% pro-life, I don't question Jeff's uh, desire to be 100% pro-life or anything like that. Um, but the, the issue, I think, or, or where the, the conflict comes between classic liberalism and uh, conservatism is specifically in how you, how you get there. Because where I think that classic liberalism uh, ends up falling short is answering the question of where do you go and draw the line between uh, self-government and civil government, uh, and, and by what standard then also? Uh, where do you draw that line between self-government and civil government? Because... Um, at, at, as mentioned, the more secular side of things with classic liberalism would come out and say uh, that perhaps it is the, the the mother's right to do this. In fact, in the court case in my home state, uh, Iowa, when it came to the heartbeat bill, um, the reason that it was struck down, it, and I'm just going through this here in my head really quick to think of the reasoning, uh, the reason why it was was struck down is because it was deemed it was violating the woman the women's uh, liberty right to liberty, and so the question is is which one is a primary right and and where do we get that? Uh, to which is the classic conservative who leans towards theonomy. Uh, I would go and side with uh, Sir William Blackstone, uh, who is the the third most quoted. Um, a person by our founding fathers behind the Bible and uh, Montesquieu, uh, where he basically comes out and says that upon these these two laws or the, these two things, the the law of nature uh, and the law of revelation, depend all human laws. That is to say, no law should violate these two. Uh, and of course, the law of revelation is the the Bible in which he's talking about. And so, looking at that, of course, we find the 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 right to uh, to life in. In the Word of God, uh, that is where that right is founded, and that is where it's where it's rooted. And so, it, it's not that we're we're arguing at this end result, but it's it's how you get there and where it's reinforced. Where I think that classic uh, liberalism uh, falls short. In fact, I, I probably would have leaned a few years ago towards that classic liberalism. And I remember going into a conversation with someone, and I was getting ready to say, you know, you can't legislate morality. And as I was starting to pose that question, the person beat me to the punch, and they they asked the question, you know, isn't it, or they said, isn't that the most absurd thing you've ever heard? And that kind of was taken aback by it. And he goes and he says, if you're not legislating morality, 
then what are you legislating? And of course, here within this classic liberalism, uh, when this, we will that they will legislate their morality, uh, but they try not to, and they try to go and root it in personal liberty. But that's that's just not a uh, a consistent standard uh, when it when it comes to these things because well. Whose liberty are you going to uh, to look at? Whose whose rights are you going to uphold when it comes to this kind of a question? Yeah, well, you know, and, and I did want to res- I want to respond to that too because I think that this comes down to this philosophical idea of the difference between conservatism and classical liberalism is is that w- the way that I look at it, and you know, because I used to be a lot more conservative, and I feel like you know, like you're saying, used to used to be more along the lines of classical liberalism, and then we just like bypass somewhere <laughs> and totally flip. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things that I started thinking about from more of a practical standpoint is we are a country that ha- that does have freedom of religion, right? And so we have many different religions here in the United States. So that then leads us into this issue of whose morality are we going to enforce? Now, I understand our founding fathers were primarily, you know, Christians, and we were founded as a Christian nation and that sort of thing. But they also did establish that we do have freedom of religion. My concern with legislating morality is that if we're going to have Christians, Mormons, Muslims, atheists, you know, all the different branches of Christianity that are out there that are just, you know, crazy and wacko and whatever it is that we want to say about them, whose morality wins? It then becomes a popularity contest between the religions to see, okay, who whose morality are we going to enforce as the government? Right. So, uh, so to respond to that point, uh, if, if that's okay, Shu. Allow <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, th- this isn't like one of those uh, Democrat debates where we just go and try to talk yeah. over each other. Uh, across the screen. I'm going to have to step in. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably hit the mute button and, and really mess with this. So. I'll just walk uh, away. It's fine. Yeah, but that that freedom of religion. So that comes from uh, I believe Article One of the Constitution. Uh, in in looking at that or uh, the First Amendment, there. Um, if you go and you look at the history, it was first presented by George uh, Mason, and then James Madison came and he changed the the or presented the wording on this, and then it was taken to um, to a committee, and then it was debated on and and things like that. It that whole idea was actually started off to basically say. We shouldn't have a uh, a specific denomination in Christianity be our um, state church. Like we, we wouldn't have the Church of England, uh, the Anglican Church, or or like the Lutheran Church in in Germany. And so I think if you're going to take it as the original intent, uh, it's it's our, our founding fathers never intended to invite other moralities in, but to hold a Christian morality and to go and to look at those as a uh, secondary religions that though. Um, religion can't be uh, by compulsion. I agree with that. I mean, I, I believe in individual soul liberty. On a theological perspective, you can't force someone to believe in Christianity or even a doctrine, uh, but you can go and enforce a specific morality, and our founding fathers intended that to be uh, the morality that was founded in in, in the Bible. Now, uh, some would say that that could lead to, uh, I guess, troubles, because now that you're letting the government set up the morality— um, some would fear that now that the government passes something, you know, that is immoral, that now people as a whole would view that immoral, immoral thing as being moral because you have given the government the power to decide what is moral and immoral. So how would you respond to that? 
Right. So, so how I would respond to that is uh, simply by saying it's not the government's job to uh, define that morality, but rather to recognize it from God. And so uh, while looking at that, we do need to go and judge uh, from Scripture of what is, uh, what is that proper morality uh, that is being pushed and presented in Scripture. And of course, I, I would say that's why it's important that we have a Second Amendment uh, is, is to go out there and to, well, if the government does come uh, and become tyrants, uh, to go beyond God's, um, God's design for morality and uh, government, um, that we can go and take that back as a nation. Okay, Jeff? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think my, my concern still stands in the sense that, um, again, I, I totally agree with Sam in the sense of we were founded at, within Christian principles as a Christian nation, um, but one of those principles was the freedom of religion, and I, and I get the distinction, but at the same time, where we are right now is, the, is this issue where Christians are, in the grand scheme of things, outnumbered. Um, so now if we are, if it's going to be how the government is going to implement morality, just even from a practical standpoint today, whose morality are we going to um, abide by? Whose morality are we going to push? Whose morality are we going to enforce? Because from a practical standpoint, if we're pushing for implementing our morals onto everybody else, and it's just going to come down to who has 50.1% of the votes, to me, that that's going to be a concern because that's just going to continue to shift back and forth, as opposed to if we had a huge number of people that all agreed on, even though we disagree on the morality and religion and how it's implemented, but we all agree that there should be freedom for everybody to decide for themselves, that gets the government out of our lives and allows us to make those decisions for ourselves. And then that leaves it up for us as the church to go out and preach the gospel and preach our morals and change the world through the gospel. So that would be my perspective on that. Now, someone argue that uh, without an overseeing uh, morality or somebody to implement this moral code, that people would eventually fall away and become more and more corrupt because we as humans are a corrupt being, right? And without that, um, and with the loss of theology, we would all look towards something to fill that gap in that space and eventually take, um, we would look to something to fill that gap. Are, are there any fears of that happening if everybody does not have a moral code that everybody will then come together and create one? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if everybody would come together and create one. I think, I think, I think for, from my perspective, if we are promoting, you know, freedom for everybody, um, then I think it, it, it allows everybody to make their own decisions and make decisions based off of what they believe is right and wrong. And, and then that comes down to the church's ability to get our messaging and our morals and our gospel out to the world, and then we can change the world through the preaching, the preaching of the gospel, as as opposed to compulsion from the government. Would be, you know, my perspective on that. So your view is that the church should have more of a, I guess, community outreach, or be more so of the center standing of what morality is within it, a community rather than the government itself. Well, yeah, and I, and I, and I think too, looking historically, um, I mean, even even looking back into like the 1800s, and you know, before we had technology, and before you know, our, our federal government got so insanely big, 
the church used to be the epicenter of the cities. The church used to be the moral compass. You know, yeah, you would have you would have the saloons and the bar fights and that sort of thing, but that was that was over there. And you you had the church. That that was what really set the moral standard for the local community. And I think that that's something that's missing is less people are going to church, which then is leading to more acceptance of socialism, more acceptance on the government, more more acceptance on just these anti-God, anti-Christian perspectives. And I think that the church is failing uh, when it comes to getting out and preaching the gospel and and saving the lost and actually defining what our morals are. I don't think that the problem is that the government's not... Uh, in, enforcing our morals. I think the problem is that we're doing a horrible job enforcing our morals and preaching the gospel and winning the lost. To me, that's the root problem with our country as it stands right now. Okay. Sam? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, it's it's outlined pretty clearly in Scripture, the the purpose of, of government, and I believe God is the one who instituted that. In Genesis 9-6, uh, it says, Whoever sheds man's blood by uh, man, his blood shall be shed. For the image of God he created man. And that was... was the institution of capital punishment, this is right after the flood, and this is where I would put the timeline of, uh, for sure, a, a government, a civil government being uh, instituted, and it's confirmed in uh, Romans 13, verses 3 and 4, where it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have uh, praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And so I think that uh, from, from a scriptural perspective and from this, uh, this Christian conservative perspective, my view of government as a whole is to go into to be God's minister to uphold his morality um, on, on a civil basis. And, and I think, once again, where classic liberalism falls short is that, that though it's not denying that there is a morality, the problem is, is that it can't draw that line between— uh, civil government and pers- or excuse me self government and and civil government and then by what standard um, as you, you know as Je- Jeff mentioned he he's pro life and, and and like I said I, I agree with him on that uh, but he's drawing that to be a a civil government issue when somebody might come along who's a classic liberal and say well I think this is a self government issue and who is to say uh, which one of these two things uh, is is it really to be. And so I think that uh, when, when we look at this, all the governments uh, within, uh, within Scripture are to uphold God's uh, morality. We're to be personally living within God's morality. The church is to be preaching God's morality. And, and I agree 100% with Jeff on that. Part of the problem is, is that we don't have enough people going to church, and a lot of the churches we do have are still preaching socialism and things like that. Uh, we've got a great book coming out on that. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, also, then our, our nation, uh, when we, we look at that too, or the, the civil government, it needs to be upholding God's morality also and, and all having that same standard. Uh, Noah Webster said this, uh, The Bible must be considered as the great source of truth by which men are to be guided in government as well as in all government transactions. Uh, and of course, he, he was a, a kind of a founding father, I guess you'd say. He's, he's the one who gave the definitions to us uh, in America, being the, the one who came up with our first dictionary. But um, I, I think that is, is really the true governing source, that, that true North Star in, in morality is, is only the Word of God. Okay. Anything to counter? Um, I don't. I don't think there's really a whole lot in in the sense of that hasn't necessarily been said on that. I just I think that um, 
I don't. I, I feel. I feel like with Sam and I, maybe maybe part of the difference in in our perspectives is is you know he's looking at it. It seems like from the perspective. And Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't. Again, it's one of those things. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, but I think that I think that you're looking at it from the root issue of you know like the founding fathers. They were Christians. They implemented uh, you know you know essentially their morals into government code and that sort of thing. And then I'm looking at it more from like the practical perspective of I'm looking at the landscape today and it's like, okay, how do we as Christians live in a world today where we're outnumbered probably from, from biblical Christianity, probably seven, you know, seven to one in all reality. Like how do we live in that kind of world where we can't enforce our morals in the, in that sense and we're outnumbered as opposed to joining with people to promote freedom and liberty for all, and then we get out there and we preach the gospel. So I think I think that might be some of the disconnect between Sam and I's position as well, is just the difference in how, how we're looking at this issue too. Okay. All right. Let's move on to drugs. <laughs> so, so um, and we, we don't have to get into the hard drugs. You know, like, we can start with, you know, weed, marijuana and stuff like that. Like some people view that this is more of a classical liberal thing, that you're more able to do whatever you want in your home as long as it doesn't affect anybody else. Um, so, Sam, I'll let you start this one. Uh, why? why? Why shouldn't somebody be able to do drugs? If it's in their home, does it really affect anybody else? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's so, going to think I'm a big drug. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, when this question was kind of getting kicked around uh, uh, ahead of time, um, th- this definitely isn't isn't something I would say is my my strong suit of of really studying out the issues and knowing the uh, on this of knowing the the facts about this. So I'm going to stick more towards uh, principles and and one would be anything that's morally wrong, even if we think it does just affect ourselves um, from a, a purely theological perspective, it never does just affect ourselves. Um, and the uh, the one thing that I think that I'm not really sure where Jeff's going to go on, on on his stance with this, so th- it'll be interesting to see. But I think that for sure we can agree um, that there won't be uh, that we're against uh, decriminalizing uh, certain aspects of of drugs, uh, and and so even if there is maybe a difference on legalizing, um, there'd be a different, or we, I think we'd come to agreement on the decriminalizing uh, perspective. Um, but but with that, uh, when it comes to drugs, I think that it's it's never a good thing to uh, to put yourself in a state of, of mind or to alter your state of mind. Um, now, uh, of course, there are some that, that would be medicinal, and I'm not necessarily thinking of marijuana when I say that, although some people might be able to make an argument for that. What I was thinking of is, I mean, hey, if, if you have a surgery, you're probably going to get put on morphine or Vicodin, right? Uh, and so I'm not trying to sit there and just kind of throw out everything uh, with that, but the difference between uh, that and something like marijuana would be that uh, morphine and Vicodin are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be prescribed, and so under the supervision of a doctor, and so making sure everything's okay. And then it comes with that warning of going and saying like you're not supposed to operate heavy machinery, you're not supposed to go out and drive, you're not supposed to do things like that. And so there there would be a penalty for doing that, and it comes with a warning and a supervision. Whereas then when it comes to marijuana. Uh, we don't have that warning or supervision. Jeff, same question. Yeah, I, you know, I, again, that that's where I would I would totally agree with Sam in the sense of the morality of doing drugs. I mean, I've never done I've never done drugs in my entire life. I have no interest in doing drugs, 
and I don't want to do anything that would that would alter my mind in essentially any way because I want to be completely here, coherent, thinking through my decisions. I don't want anything else influencing uh, influencing me in in that perspective. Uh, with that said, I think that there there would be an argument for de decriminalization of of certain drugs where, um, again, from the classical liberal perspective, you're looking at this issue from, okay, are, are you hurting somebody else directly, right? So I, th I think that from, from a perspective of, let's say we're dealing with marijuana, right? There, there's arguments for and against whether there are any medical benefits uh, to it. I've, I've heard lots of great um, research for that. I've heard lots of research op uh, opposing it as well. Um, I think that from a governmental standpoint, I think I would rather the government get out of it altogether. Uh, I mean, historically, even, even just dealing with the war on drugs, I think what all is done really is fuel the underground black market and cause more crime and more violence and more, and more side effects uh, from that battle in general. But, I, but I, think from, I think from my perspective, I think that somebody should have the right to do what they do. That doesn't make it morally correct. And that's the difference, is that from my perspective, it would be morally wrong to be altering the state of your mind, but I don't know if it's necessarily the government's job to step in and tell us what we can and can't do, because, I mean, there, there are, I, I've spoken personally to many people who, who have had positive benefits from even just something like CBD, or, you know, who claim to have had benefits and relief from marijuana, using it to try to treat certain symptoms or treat issues that they have and that sort of thing. I don't think that the government should necessarily step in and say, you can't do that, as long as you're not hurting somebody else or affecting somebody else um, directly from that perspective. So some would argue that that does, in fact, um, affect other people. We see it with alcohol, that it has put, led to people to be put onto uh, social programs due to lack of being able to show up to work, um, being put on the, on the system, um, and stuff like that. So. In that way of seeing things, it would affect everybody's paycheck through taxation and social programs. How would you respond to that? Well, I, th I, th I think that, again, it, it comes back to then if we're going to use that argument, are we going to ban and outlaw alcohol? Are we going to ban and alcohol sugar products because that leads to diabetes, which leads to people not being able to function at work properly? Like, like if we're going to take that line of logic, I feel like there are... It's like, where do we draw the line in what the government is going to be able to enforce or not enforce, as opposed to let's get the government out of this, and then the church can come in, and, and people can come in preaching our morals and our views on this, and change people's lives through preaching, as opposed to government compulsion, I think would be my perspective. Okay, Sam? Uh, actually, can I ask a couple of questions to you here, Jeff? No, I, I, I don't take questions from my opposing debater. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, man. <laughs> man. Uh, with a decriminalization here, yeah. and maybe I'm getting the terms uh, confused, you would still believe like uh, driving under the influence should be, uh, should be against the law? Of course. Same, same, same um, as like alcohol, yeah. because you, yeah. you would be directly endangering somebody else's life. Okay. And uh, so, so what about if, so if, if government is getting out of that, would they still, uh, should they still regulate that? Um, like, what about, uh, you know, Colorado brownies there? Uh, should that be, be said? Or can somebody go, should they be able to go and make that and not maybe list that ingredient? 
Well, so so my my view in general when it comes to government regulation, even even within like the food industry, is that I I want the government out of regulating it, except to make sure that the uh, the manufacturers are being accurate in what is in there. So. The, the government shouldn't be able to tell the manufacturer what ingredients you have to use and can't use, but but they ha they should be able to compulse you to be honest about what's actually in there, and then you can make your own decision. Do I want to buy this with pot, or do I want to buy this without pot? And you can make the decision for yourself. That's where I would see government regulation. Okay, okay. I, I just want to want to clarify on those two because I, I I'm in agreement on on that kind of stuff. So, okay. <laughs> and I knew with the food thing it would be. Uh, That'd be a. Oh, I knew that'd get you fired up. Oh yeah, so. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Although someone probably argue, you know, marijuana's organic, so I'm sure. <laughs> oh, tr trust me, I, I've heard that argument quite often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the last topic before we delve into some of uh, the more off-topic, more um, foundational topics, would be uh, marriage, uh, Jeff. Where would you implement marriage and why in a liberalist or in a libertarian society due to the fact that everybody is able to live at their own morality? So why institute a marriage at all? Uh, I, I, I would argue that the uh, government shouldn't institute a marriage in general. I think I think that it should be a, uh, a uh, religious thing. And I think it should be a commitment that I make to my wife uh, in church in front of our family and friends and church body. Um, I don't think that the government should be in the business of marriage altogether. And I think that that would resolve a lot of the issues that we are seeing in general with, with the debate over things like gay marriage and that sort of thing. I mean, okay, so, so let, let's hypothetically say that we win the battle on gay marriage. We ban gay marriage. Is that going to stop people from being gay? Is that going to stop people from living together and committing and committing their lives to being with somebody um, of the same sex? No. I, so that's where I would say, again, this would be me as my classical liberal perspective, get the government out of marriage altogether, let the church define what we believe marriage to be and enforce that. Um, because right now what we're seeing is we're seeing government overreach going against us and we're heading towards a direction where now the government is going to be compulsing churches to perform marriages and weddings that we don't agree with. And that's the, and that's the danger. And that's kind of what I was saying at the, at the beginning of this conversation is that if, if we get outnumbered in a, in a popularity contest, all of a sudden, even though we were trying to implement our morals and ban something that we felt was wrong, now all of a sudden we're outnumbered and, the, and then the government's going to flip. And come back at us and try to, you know, ban us. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I would not be surprised if in the future we're going to see a country where our, our nation and our government is shutting down churches because they won't perform gay weddings. And to me, that is concerning. So for me, I would say get government out of marriage altogether. Let it be a religious institution. And then, again, this comes back to Christians, churches, preach the gospel, preach our morality, preach right and wrong, this is what God says, and then we change culture and we change society through that as opposed to government compulsion um, to agree with us on definitions of marriage. Sam? So, uh, first of all, I'd say that I, I don't think that uh, 
government is the one that defines what marriage is. And, and I'm not trying to say that, that Jeff uh, believes that the government is the one that defines marriage, but but it is God who defines marriage. And I believe scripture is is quite clear that righteousness exalts a nation. And so that as we look at that, um, I, I believe, of course, when it comes to morality, uh, like I said, there in the theonomist view, God's law, specifically the moral law, those, those Ten Commandments or the seven, I believe it's the halal is what the, the Jews call for the uh, the non-Jews coming into Judaism. Um, but but looking at that, uh, it's one of those is thou shalt not commit adultery. And of course, uh, all forms of homosexuality are, that that is adultery, or even when you go and look at polygamy um, and, and different things like that. And so uh, the government, I believe, should go and recognize what true marriage is uh, for the benefit of the people, because that righteousness is what exalts a nation. And, and to go to Jeff's point on that, the practical side of things, uh, what happens if we lose the popularity contest? And I think that we're actually uh, facing that right now, and I, I think Jeff would agree with that. We are facing that. Uh, and I would say that the beauty of uh, the United States is that we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic. And this is based on the premise of um, what was a kind of a book called Lex Rex, uh, not kind of called, that was the title of it, uh, but it means uh, the law and the prince. And the idea is, is that though there are government rulers, it is the law is above uh, the prince. And in a constitutional republic, we recognize that, that the law of the land is greater than even 51% or 75% or even 99% of the people that what is right is right. And that's what our, our constitution was designed to uphold, uh, is is that morality, even if we were to lose the popular vote. So do you then believe that the government instituting incentives to married couples and families and everything like that, um, do you believe that that's justifiable? So I, I think it's justifiable uh, that that they go and they, they have incentives. I, I don't necessarily see that as the primary purpose of government to give those incentives, but rather to, to recognize uh, marriage and to recognize something that's not marriage. I would say that they shouldn't uh, be, issue marriage license for those uh, who are homosexual uh, or polygamy or, or whatever you want to go from that. Um, I, I think that it, it could be just fine if the government wants to uh, give people a tax break to get married. I think that promotes uh, the prosperity of the people. Um, and, and I think that promotes the, the true pursuit of happiness, which is speaking of what is truly right in that uh, pursuit of, of real morality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do want to go back to Sam's point earlier in, in that I do want to acknowledge that I do agree with him when it comes to government doesn't in, uh, doesn't, does not define what marriage is. God defines what marriage is. It's in scripture. It's laid out. Like, this is a God-ordained institution that, that only God created. But from a practical standpoint, we're, what we're looking at right now is the majority of people now don't think that marriage should be implemented for just between a man and a woman. And now we are getting to the point to where we have the government that is coming in and it's hurting it and there it's going after people and trying to regulate people that are trying to stand by their own moral convictions because the government is from a practical standpoint, defining what marriage is. So now they're saying that if you're a baker, you have to bake the cake. If you're a photographer, you have to take the pictures. If you're a venue, you have to host the, you have to host the wedding. And from, so from a practical standpoint, I see a good solution to the, all of this being the government get out of the, the business of marriage altogether 
And then we as the church, then we define what marriage is. Let the non-Christians define what they want to do with marriage. That's between them and God. Let us as believers be able to perform the weddings that we want to, marry who, who we believe God wants us to marry, and then we, we leave it up to that. So I, again, I, th- I just think that for me, the answer to a lot of these problems is less government, less government, less government. You, you know, the problem I see with this, this Jeff, and the consistency of it, it's you're recognizing a form of morality, and, and every person recognizes a form of morality. But within classical liberalism, it's, it's kind of like saying, I believe in free speech. I just don't want to say it out loud uh, with this idea of I believe in a morality. I just don't want to go and actually proclaim of, of this is what's right. So, so I mean, how, where do you uh, where do you go and, and define that line of of what is right for the the government as a whole? Well, well, that that's where I would say that I don't. Again, like we were saying, like the government doesn't define what marriage is. I don't think the government defines what morality is. God defines what morality is, right? But from a practical standpoint, it then becomes again. You and I, as as believers, we know God's word is God's word, right? But let's say a Jehovah's Witness would have a differing opinion. A Muslim would have a differing opinion. An atheist would say there is no such thing as God's word, right? So then we have to look at how are we going to win elections in in a republic like we are here? Like we're we're dealing with vote, we're dealing with votes, we're dealing with like elections, we're dealing with things like that. And that's where I see if we keep going down this, we're going to try to legislate our morality. I see us losing in the long run as opposed to creating freedom. So that way we as the church can decide this is how we're going to implement these things. So, uh, so to follow up on that, um, you, you mentioned uh, Muslims and, and having a, a different form of morality. And no, no doubt they do. In my, my home state here in Iowa, we actually had a piece of legislation that was passed this last session uh, on the state level towards um, female circumcision. Now, that's uh, in direct uh, result from uh, that's a practice of, uh, of, of Muslims to go and to, to perform female circumcision. It's a gruesome, terrible thing. And no doubt that it is uh, going in. Uh, going against someone's liberty most of the time. Um, but we, of course, uh, in Iowa came out and said, no, you can't do that. From a classic liberal perspective, wouldn't that be defining or, excuse me, legislating morality, not defining, legislating morality? And uh, should they should we have done that or should we not have done that no, in I, Iowa? I, I think that that law should have been passed from, even just strictly from a classical liberal perspective, you're, you're taking away that uh, that person's actual liberties to decide what they want to do for themselves. And, and I think that it, it's, it becomes one of those things where is the government going to get in and compel you to do something or is the government going to come in and protect victims of either abuse or overreach from other people that are trying to enforce their morality onto others? And so when, when you're dealing with this like mutilation and that sort of thing, what you're doing is you are you are taking away somebody else's rights you're taking away by force essentially their you know their body to a certain degree and that's where i think even from a classical liberal perspective you do need to protect that victim of of abuse just like you would any other form of abuse now you're you're defining abuse but uh but of course a muslim wouldn't define that as abuse and in some of the people who i would and i'm agreeing obviously that it is abuse but some of the people who even would be the the victim there might not define it as abuse. Um, how, how does classic liberalism answer that? Um, 
again, I, I think I think I would look at it from from my perspective as opposed to defining it from like you know somebody else and that sort of thing. And I and I th- and I think again, this comes down to um, this would be something where I mean, you you have you have people that are that are the victims of abuse that then become sympathetic to their abuser. It doesn't change the fact that they were still abused. It you know they may have been brainwashed, they be, they may have been messed with, but that doesn't give the abuser the right to abuse their victim. And I think that that would be the response to this is that 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 person is being permanently damaged for the rest of their life because because of a particular belief system. That's different than making a decision on whether you want to wear a burqa or not. Does that make sense? And so I, so I think from that perspective, I think that we as the government do have the right to step in in that certain circumstance where you are mutilating somebody's body. And that, that's, a, that's something that you, you're not going to be able to undo. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, obviously, I, to, I totally agree with that. I, I just think that's, that is legislating morality and recognizing uh, a, a standard of morality that the government would be taking and then legislating that. Yeah, well, I, th- I, th- I think the morality that the government is legislating is what is what is in the constitution what is the what is the limits of the government and what promotes freedom um i i think w- when you're dealing with victims of abuse uh those would be lines where where you are overstepping those and taking away somebody else's liberties and rights you know especially when you're dealing with something like this essentially for the rest of their life and so from that perspective you you can say it's for the uh it's it's because of my religious beliefs but but at the same time, it's it's still abuse. However, you want to spin it, just just like it's abuse when you're dealing with a lot of the polygamists that abuse children and and take you know nine year olds as spouses. Like sure, the nine year old may have been brainwashed into thinking that this is the right way of doing things. It's still abuse. And so I think from that perspective, it's that's the kind of morality that we're enforcing is you're taking away somebody else's liberty and rights and freedoms and that sort of thing. Okay. Sam, it's like you can see my notes kind of creeping me out. <laughs> uh, so I got several or two separate questions kind of of the same coin um, that I'm going to ask you. Uh, Sam, there's a fear that if you use too firm of a hand, the people end up turning and rebelling. If you end up putting too much theonomy within a conservative point of view, then it can end up causing a severe backlash against the people of a nation. Uh, how would you handle that? What's the implementation that you would put that out or moving forward against the culture that we are in today? Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest question uh, that, that faces theonomy and, and the biggest, I, I don't want to say problem with theonomy is, is that idea of uh, without a moral people, we, we will fail. Um, I, w- what I would go and say is that uh, we do need to go and, and continue to push that standard and to push for that standard. Uh, the, I mean, probably the reality of it is is that it won't be implemented. Uh, but of course, that comes back on our, on our executive powers because it is their job to enforce the laws that are made and the laws that stand and uh, that are to be upholding the the Constitution. Um, and of course, you know, the reality of it is is that people will uh, go and and break the law. Uh, you know, speaking of, uh, we talked about homosexual marriage and I'm trying to think, I think it was like, it was in the two thousands. I want to say 2010, we still had laws, uh, uh, sodomy laws, I believe in Texas. Um, I'm not sure on that date. 
Uh, but but we in the 2000s had sodomy laws. And of course, those were being broken left and right and they weren't being held and they weren't being enforced. And so um, I think that's where we see the downfall is when the morality of the nation no longer uh, is fit for the Constitution in which we have. Okay. Um, Jeff, that's kind of on the flip side of that. With too weak of a hand, you would find people without a common uh, goal or a common thing to hold them together. They would break out into tribes. Uh, people who think alike tend to form groups that form together. Um, you get a bunch of different groups. One group wants to rise above the other. People just in nature want to be the top dog. They want to rise to power. How would you control that? How would you implement to make sure that one group doesn't all of a sudden want to rise above the others and force down their throat what is right or not right or what is implementation as right and wrong um, upon somebody else's morality? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, th I think it would be promoting the, the principles of, of freedom and liberty, I think. Um, you know, I, th I think that one, one of the things within classical liberalism, in, in my perspective, is that you're, you're not looking to have power with government. You're looking to have the government taking on a protective role as opposed to a regulative role. And I think that that would be that would be the difference there, where we're not we're not looking at it from from a perspective of we're trying to outvote each other on our on our belief system or our um, perspectives and that sort of thing. It's we're trying to promote liberty and freedom for as many people as we possibly can, and then people on their day to day lives can make their can make their own decisions for how, for how they want to live their lives. So if we had the majority of people that believe that kind of a system. I don't. I don't think we would have that kind of tyrannical like government overtake, as opposed to like what we're seeing right now. And again, this this is my perspective and my my view on the backlash uh, against Christianity and conservative Christians is that for the longest time we were in we were trying to enforce our morals. We were trying to ban gay marriage. We were trying to enforce our belief systems onto people that disagreed with us. And I think that what's ended up happening is now they're taking our own strategy, turning, uh, turning it on us and applying it to ourselves, and they're trying to ban us. They're trying to outlaw us. They're trying to make our lives um, essentially illegal, just like, just like we essentially used to do to them. And so I'm, I'm seeing this back and forth, and, I don't, and, I, and I'm seeing this also trend of our society is becoming less Christian, less God-focused more secular, more atheistic, and I'm just seeing this and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, this is, this is not going to turn out well for believers. Um, however, there is a movement even within secular society to have freedom and liberty for all, whether Christian or non-Christian or different religions or whatever it is. And to me, if, if we had freedom for everybody, we could still go out and preach the gospel. We could still go out and worship God as we see fit without being banned, without being compelled by the government to do certain things. So that, that's kind of where I'm kind of seeing this and where I see this as if we keep going down this route of trying to fight each other on who wins the popularity contest, I don't see this turning out well for Christians at all. Okay. Um, Michael Knowles said that you don't have a heart if you weren't a liberal at least once in your life. <laughs> so with that comes up the, the topic of compassion. Uh, Jeff, many would say that a classical liberal has much more compassion than what a conservative would. Why do you think that is? Um, it may be because it's, uh, it's going to be more promoting freedom 
Um, I've also heard it said that classical liberalism has, has the least amount of love for people because it's basically saying, don't rely on the government. Don't get, don't take handouts. Don't, um, don't get it like, don't have any kind of like regulation to in, in the liberals perspective, like protect certain people. Um, so from that perspective, I mean, there is still going to be this idea that classical liberalism isn't loving because what we're saying is take responsibility for yourself. Get a job. If you don't like your job, get a better job. Get the government out of regulating a minimum wage. Get the government out of regulating what your employers have to give you. Get the government out of all these different kinds of regulations. And then if you want to enter into a governmental or if you want to enter into a an agreed upon contract with an employer, take that job. If you don't want to take if you don't want to take that kind of income, get another job. Don't you don't you don't have to take the $5 an hour job, hold out for the 10 or the 15 or the 20 or the $25, whatever it is you want to get paid, hold out for that. And so I think that that makes, makes us look like we're, we don't have a heart, but then that's where we as Christians and we as the church, we come in instead of the government coming in, we as the church come in and provide the, the, uh, the in the sense of the welfare for people that are that are in need we show christ's love to the world instead of waiting for the government to do that so again and i would assume from the conservative perspective sam you'd probably agree with that in general um but but yeah that's that that's what i think i i think i think in all reality both conservatives and classic liberals get a bad rap of not being loving oh <laughs> uh, yep so, sam uh you know when i was younger and i messed up my dad to punish me and uh Tell me it was because he loved me and at that time i didn't believe him but <laughs> a lot of people view that as a conservative sort of thing it's a bunch of hard-nosed people just going in there implementing these rules this morality that's you know tough for a lot of people to come to heads to you know uh, why why do i have to be follow this rules um how would you respond to that yeah, so, uh, so just before I respond to that, I've, I'll, I'll say basically the classic liberals uh, view is, is, you know, the old man who says to the kids, get off my lawn, that's, that's pretty much the classic liberals view on compassion, right, is, <laughs> is get, get off my lawn. It, it, uh, it, it, it's a good summary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so when it comes to that idea of being uh, hard-nosed and, and uh, conservatism definitely does get that view, uh, one thing that I would say that's that's absolutely important uh, to, to remember, and this is a, a quote from John Locke, who is actually um, viewed as a, a father of classic liberalism, um, at least uh, in, in some cases, but this is a, a quote from him uh, where it's actually Sir William Blackstone was quoting him in the Thomas Tears in English Law, but John Locke said, um, without, without law, there is no liberty. And so uh, I would go and say, when it comes to this idea of compassion, uh, there are two things that, that we do think about is liberty. And, and I think of also, um, the, the pursuit of happiness is, is one thing that's, that's presented when it comes to, uh, this, the civil realm. And when it comes to liberty, I don't think that there is true liberty without law to keep us from going into a place that, that hurts ourselves. Uh, or from going into a place uh, that that hurts our our nation and would bring God's wrath upon our nation uh, and judgment upon our nation because of uh, more you know immorality when we go and we look at that idea of righteousness is what exalts a nation. But when it comes to the pursuit of happiness, um, that idea there, which is is often uh, cited with with Thomas Jefferson, um, 
Now, he would be quoting or, or at least borrowing from Sir William Blackstone, and Sir William Blackstone said this about uh, the pursuit of happiness. He said that man should pursue his own happiness. This is the foundation of what we call ethics or natural law, that this or that action tends to a man's real happiness, and therefore uh, very justly concluding that the performance of it is part of the law of nature, or on the other hand, that it is this or that is the action is destructive of man's real happiness and therefore that the law of nature forbids it. Now, I think this directly speaks to homosexuality, which is something that that the classic liberal and classic conservative deal with uh, uh, differently, or the Christian conservatives, excuse me. And, and that is, if you go and you look at the statistics on suicide, they're they're off the charts for homosexuals. It's 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 very high. It's something that does hurt them, though they are thinking that they are doing something that's right, or or something that they desire, or something that they want. It's actually something that's destructive. It's not the pursuit of happiness. Uh, but rather, it, it is the pursuit of pleasure, and that doesn't necessarily uh, bring about the best result, and we see that in their life. And so to to best and most lovingly uh, govern a people and to govern a nation, we set these rules up like you can't be homosexual and things like that and against homosexual marriage in order for their protection so that they don't go and, and, and have that. And I think if we take a look at the actual statistics uh, on these kind of things, it, it, it does prove that point that it is the most loving thing. People today, the narrative, of course, is is that uh, if you're fighting for homosexuality, you're in favor of love. But the problem is, is that if you go and you look at the statistics, is it loving to let somebody live a lifestyle that they're most likely going to die before uh, the age of 50? Well, probably not. So the, then I think, I think the question that I would have for you is, do you feel like we should ban homosexuality? Because I know we earlier we were talking about banning gay marriage. But would you say we should ban homosexuality? And then from there, what other what other morals do you think that we should also implement? Right. So, uh, so, so I think from a theonomist perspective, and, and and this is where where the conservative gets the uh, the, the good old man your heart knows on, on this. So you're hitting this right on the head here, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, I, I do think we should ban homosexuality uh, from a perspective of uh, of love and morality and seeking for what's best in our nation. Um, I, I think that is uh, implementing God's morality. And I think that the uh, if you go down the Ten Commandments, those those would be the things. I, I, I know it's crazy, but I think that we should ban pornography. I, I think that we should go and uh, ban um, uh, adultery also. I, I think that we should go and, and ban these things. I understand there's probably going to be an argument on the practical uh, side of things, but, but I think that these are the right answers and the ones that we should be fighting and moving towards. Well, so I, th I, think, I think my response would be, do you, do you think that we should, like, should we go so far as to ban any and all sin? Like, wh where is the line? Like, in the sense that should, should we make it illegal for children to, dis to disobey their parents? Should we make it illegal for husbands to yell at their wives? Like, like where, where's the line? Where's, you know, there's certain things that I think that from my perspective, we would agree it's morally wrong. But I don't mm -hmm. know if I would necessarily say that those should be enforced by government. Okay. Uh, so so I, I will go and make a distinction here. When you say government, um, I'm, I'm sure you're talking about the civil government. So I think that all these should be enforced by, a, all morality should be enforced by any, a certain type of government, uh, specifically to answer the question of like children obey your parents. I think that should be the, the family government enforcing that. Uh, just like when it comes to a, a heresy or an apostasy coming in the church, that should be a 
uh, church government enforcing that. Um, but specifically, I I think when we, we go and we look at this where the government, uh, the civil government would have a perspective in children obey your parents is that uh, something like spanking shouldn't be outlawed by the government. Now today, and, and this, you know, this definitely probably get in trouble with a lot of people. Uh, today, the uh, the secular perspective is that, that spanking is uh, wrong and shouldn't be used um, by people. In fact, it can be uh, given as uh, child abuse, uh, even without uh, it being a severe spanking, because obviously there is a line there in, in a severe spanking. Did that, right. that kind of answer that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. I think, I think, I think start. I think kind of where I think we kind of get into an issue to a certain degree is when we're dealing with, because like we're talking about like voting and how the government's going to enforce morality, and so I, I and then and then you're talking about banning homosexuality in general. I, I'm wondering if that is going to be the wrong response when it should be the church's job to preach the gospel and preach sin and preach morality and that sort of thing, as opposed to having the government trying to compel it. And then what's going to be the punishment for it? Is it going to be prison? Is it going, is it going to be a fine? Like practically speaking, how, how do we deal with these enforcing these kinds of moral decisions, which is like a personal, I'm going to go and choose to go participate in this sinful behavior. Right. So, uh, uh, so, so when we, we look at this idea, uh, man, I, I had something that I thought, boy, that was brilliant, and it just completely left me. So, uh, it might have been brilliant, but I'm not. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, when we look at this idea of implementing these these laws, I, I uh, oh, it came back. So now we'll find out it wasn't brilliant. Um, <laughs> The purpose of law itself, I think from a theological perspective, uh, even in a, a civil sense, is to go into convict of sin and to show a, a guilt on a person. So though the church should, of course, preach the gospel and should be going and preaching sin, the civil government that God also instituted, just like the uh, family government that God instituted, should be reinforcing that same morality to point people to their real needs so that they can you know, hopefully hear that from the family, but also hear that, of course, from the church. Uh, of the gospel, but in, in implementing these needs, uh, I think, it, or these uh, uh, punishments, it, it does depend upon the crime, which I think we, we see that uh, throughout scripture of uh, different um, different things have, have different punishments, and uh, uh, on, on different degrees, you know, if, if somebody goes and steals a loaf of bread, I don't think they should be going to the electric chair or anything like that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, but, but, but to be fair in, in Leviticus, you know, like homosexuality was punished by death. I mean, you know, I even, I even, right. I believe that there was one law where if, uh, what was it about children? Not, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily disobeying their parents, but if they were disrespectful in a certain, in a particular way, they'd be taken out and stoned. Um, so there are certain levels that are prescribed in scripture that, you know, are always thrown in our face as Christians. And they're like, well, you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to kill a child for disobeying their parents, would you? And so that's where it's like, okay, so where where is our standard? Where is our morality that we actually want to implement? Right. So, uh, so when I look at that, I, I do draw a line, a difference between a theocracy and a theonomy. And, a, and I believe that Israel was designed as more of a theocracy, uh, specifically within the Levitical law. And so they did have some harsher punishments there than probably what we would enforce today. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly where where that would be, if it would be uh, jail time or if it would be uh, a fine for some of those things, um, like homosexual marriage. But I, I would say that that's probably uh, more on par with that because uh, we'd be looking at, at taking a, a life of equal to that, um, something that'd be equal to the offense. Um, like obviously murder, I believe, then should go and have the uh, capital punishment. I, I still believe in capital punishment. Uh, but when it comes to homosexuality, I would go and say that uh, that that's probably not quite uh, to a, a point of capital punishment. I got one last thing. Uh, Jeff's position implies that everybody is responsible for their own morality. Therefore, um, as wrong as this is, God is not necessary in every individual's life in order to make that morality, considering people can set up their morality within themselves. Uh, Sam, a lot of your background and uh, your stance in conservatism is based upon, you know, a theocratic sort of setup and a background, right? If you were to strip away being able to hold a Christian background to a conservative point of view, what would that look like? And is that even possible? What would the foundations be if a person were a conservative without the Christian background? What would they be conserving? Uh, so, so I think the closest to that uh, would be Jordan Peterson's view, uh, which basically um, believes that there is a system of or objective morality and there is a standard uh, to root it in. And he goes in, in through uh, reasoning. Uh, he recognizes many of the um, the uh, the points of morality uh, when it comes to uh, to Christianity, because the reality of it is is that uh, that there is just one morality, and and I know Jeff would would agree with that. Uh, and so people do rec unsaved people at times do recognize certain points of those morality or, or certain points of that morality, and uh, I think Jordan Peterson would probably get as close to that as as you possibly. Uh, can sometimes I sit there and I go, how in the world is this guy not saved? And it's just simply comes down to the fact he doesn't believe in Christ as a savior. Um, but uh, but I think that's what it would look like is recognizing that there there is there there must be objective morality, there must be objective justice. Uh, Plato and his Republic kind of realized that, uh, but then went off in, in the deep end. And that's the problem is that when pushed uh, to what is that morality. They always uh, eventually leave for their own preference in some area or another uh, if you strip away Christianity from that. All right, Jeff, any counter? Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that there's like a counter. I think I think that, um, I don't know. I, I, I think from, from my perspective, there's, there's kind of this, um, I don't know, for, for, when you're dealing with, are you, are you asking me about, uh, you know, conservatism? Or are you asking about, like, my, my perspective on, like, classic liberalism? Do, do you think that conservatism can function without a Christian background or a foundation behind it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think to a certain degree it ends up going more, it tends to go more libertarian and more, and more you know, mm -hmm. more of a classic liberal perspective as opposed sure. to a more evangelical conservative. So I, th I think from that perspective it would, it would tend to go more, more towards like where, where I would be, I think. All right. I think, I, I think you're right on about that. If you take away the Christianity side of that, I, I think that is the natural uh, conclusion is to come to a more libertarian uh, stance. And, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not Christian. So I just want to clear that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that either. <laughs> oh, it's so sad that we have to do that. Um, 
Well, does anybody have any other points that they want to arise that were not discussed or brought up today? I want to thank people who wrote in questions and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know if I don't know if I, I'm just I was just going to look and see if there's any uh, if there's any questions on Facebook. You know, like while we're kind of closing, maybe some people could post if there was anything on there because we could always answer anything that anybody might have. Um, but yeah, so but like I, I I think from from my perspective, and I, I think Sam would agree with me too, is that we theologically on, on all these issues, we all agree. We're all we're all in agreement on the morality of what is right and wrong and what God says is right and wrong and, sh- and, and that sort of thing. I, th- I think where we tend to disagree is going to be how the government comes into play in enforcing or not enforcing the, these moralities. And I think, that, I think that that's kind of what makes a lot of this like an interesting, an interesting conversation is that we agree and yet we disagree on practically how to implement it. So it's just, it's, it's, it's this, I mean, just having this conversation to me is just fun and fascinating. Because there was no name calling. Homeschooler. (laughs) Right, right back at you. (laughs) Man. Uh, So, so I did have one question here, and I have no idea why I put this down on my notes. So, if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. Uh, How does classic liberalism deal with nudism? With nudism. I, I, yeah. So, so, so th- this this would be this would be my perspective is that if if that's what if that's what floats your boat, you can do it as as long as you're not exposing yourself to somebody who doesn't want to see that. And, and I think that and I think that that's where I would say that would that would that would apply to smoking. I think that you have the right to inhale whatever it is that you want to inhale. That's your right to do, but you don't have the right to force me to inhale what you want to inhale. And that's where I think the classic liberal perspective would be is that is that you can do what you want as long as you don't affect me. So I, th- I think that would be my my response to that. So so if a nudist view though was that they should be nude all the time, could they be nude in public? Uh, only, only they couldn't be nude walking down the street. Although if if you're in San Francisco, it's a total other ball game. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, as, I believe that the law in San Francisco, as long as you're wearing socks, you're okay. So it's it definitely if if you don't want to be around the nudist people, don't go to San Francisco. Um, but the, the the thing that I will say about this issue is that it really comes down to, from a legal standpoint, you can do whatever you want as long as you're not forcing somebody else to either see some like like for example like vulgarity i i i don't think that vulgarity should be illegal but i don't but at the same time you shouldn't be able to go around and drop the f word and talk about explicit things in front of a three-year-old especially somebody else's three-year-old and and that that's where you're taking away somebody else's rights by expressing your own that's where i think that the line would be drawn So, so wouldn't you be taking away the person's right to not be clothed when it comes to nudism though no, they can they can be clothed as long as long as they're not showing me their their private parts. I'm totally you know we're all happy. So so well, so so, I, they, so I mean, they, I'm not going to disagree with that. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, and, and like and like that that's the argument for having you know their beaches or they can have their own colony. They can have those whatever it is where somebody knows if you don't want to see naked people, don't go to this section. And to me, that's you know, it's like if that if that floats your boat, it's wrong. It's morally wrong. But I'm not going to ban you 
Um, but I'm, I will ban you from showing my kids that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there's a, to- it, there's, there's a line there of taking away somebody else's rights. But, but wouldn't you be taking away the nudist rights by making them be clothed it, it, or not go to the same places that they would want to go with their conviction? Well, it, it would, it would, it would be, the, it would be the same <laughs> argument as, as a smoker. Like a smoker has the right to smoke. As long as they're not smoking right next to me and making making me inhale it, so like there there's a the city of Laguna Beach they they recently banned smoking altogether because it was just such such a bad problem and the only place that you're allowed to smoke is in, in on your own property in your own house you're not allowed to go out on the beach you're not allowed to walk down the streets with a cigarette because you're taking away somebody else's rights by forcing them to inhale what you want to inhale. So if you want to express your rights, you have the legal right to do it, do it in your own home. Same thing would be, you know, in my perspective from the classical liberal side would be dealing with drugs or dealing with, if you want to get drunk, great, that's fine, but it's illegal to be drunk in public. It's illegal to drive a car drunk because you're now forcing other people to A, witness your debauchery, and number two, you're threatening people's lives. And so I think that that would be the same kind of implementation. So what you're saying is that these sort of things would be confined within your own property and within your own home. Outside of that, when you begin to inflict it upon another person's life is when it becomes um, crossing that line. Yeah, I, 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 would, say, I would say so. And I, and, I think, and I think that part of that, again, it, it comes back to... I don't like the government coming into my home telling me what I can and can't do. Just like I don't, I don't want the government coming in and say I can't. Uh, you know, when I have kids in the future, I don't want the government coming in, coming in and say it's illegal for you to teach the Bible in your own home. I don't want them coming in and telling me that I'm not allowed to or eat organic food. I don't want them telling me all these different kinds of things that I'm allowed to do. But that doesn't mean that, that doesn't give me the right to go out and force other people to participate in what I believe is true. And, that, and that's where it, it, there becomes this line between freedom and liberty and then also infringing on the rights of other people. Um, and I think that if we can find that line, I think we'd be a lot better as a society. See, see I would just say that that line is, is drawn for us in, in Scripture, uh, is that line of morality. That's, I think that's where the classic Christian would come, to, come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and again, that's where that's where you you and I would agree in the sense of from from the moral perspective, and from the and from how how we're supposed to live our lives. But from the governmental standpoint, uh, practically speaking, again, we're going to be outnumbered. So so if we're okay with forcing other people to have to live to our morals, then we have to be okay when the tables turn and they're going to try to enforce their morals on us. Again, strictly from a you know, practical, you know, standpoint, I think. And again, that's just my take on that. All right. Do, do we so, have any Facebook questions? Sorry. Sorry, shoot. None on Facebook. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of comments. I'm not seeing, um, I'm, I, I did see that Dustin or said, maybe I just can't see it cause I'm not that cool. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. Dust, Dustin did say, Jeff, I must get you a cigar and a Whataburger. Okay, so there there is that. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not seeing a whole lot of a whole lot of questions over here on Facebook. I'm just scrolling scrolling through really quick just to see if there was anything. Um, no, I went through beforehand and I pulled a bunch of people. Okay, so. very cool, very cool. 
Well, this has been with the gatekeeper's very first fight night. No blood was drawn, which is a plus. Uh, and everybody, you know, this is this is what's important. We need to be discussing uh, dissimilar views, uh, views that you know conflict and contract with one another, and uh, we need to be able to do this on a civil manner. Um, not only here in this sort of thing, I mean, we work together, we're all friendly with each other, but also in the public sphere. Um, I think that's extremely important and that this would be a decent model for that. Um, again, this is Gatekeepers Fight Night with Jeff Dornick and Sam Jones, and I was your host, The Shoe. Uh, keep in mind, we have our book coming out, Social Injustice, in September. So if you want to order that, just hop over to our website and use promo code SHOE. Thanks. Actually, actually, let me just say this: you should be using the code Sam. I mean that that's that's the real that's the real code out there, and it's it's the shortest code out of all the codes. So that's that's the biggest benefit. I think that's because I'm the shortest gatekeeper. Isn't that why uh, why it's the shortest? There is is I, uh, Paige. I, I might be taller than Paige. Um, <laughs> shortest, <laughs> shortest and youngest, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we came came to that. I was. Yeah. But, but I think that you should use code Jeff uh, because, I mean, he's the one who's put the most work into this book. Uh, he had to write an introduction, a conclusion, and a chapter. Ooh. Hey, hey, I'm hey. just selfish, so yeah. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there, there is always that. <laughs> we, we just call that capitalism, right? Ex- yep, exactly. Exactly. Right. Do, do the least amount of work for the most possible money, and we're all happy. Yep. 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 <laughs> So well, yeah. Hey, shoot again. Th- thanks for hosting this. It, it, it was a blast, and you, 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 we can tell you did your research and uh, and you you know your stuff. So I, I really appreciate you hosting. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. Uh, hopefully, I'll get the privilege again here in the future. So yeah, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to get you in, in one of our seats one of these times, and, and we're gonna have to stick you uh, up against somebody, and you can you can go head to head. I don't know. I'm quite the hothead. So. <laughs> That moderating seat looks a lot better now after doing this here. I mean, I, I I'm gonna probably go cry for a little while because you know I'm a millennial. So, yeah, yep, I, I, th- I, I think we all fit that <laughs> fit that description as well, <laughs> of all being millennials. <laughs> I think we're all in that boat. Yep. So yeah. Awesome. Well, it, it's it's been a blast again. Thank, thanks both of you guys for, for doing this. And again, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to do the show again sometime and probably di- different people debating, different, different conversation, different you know, topics and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think that this is the, this is the right, route to get, right route to go down the future. So. I think so. So, well, until next time. <laughs>